Greetings, nerds. This is Seeing a Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont. And with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very well, Sarah. How are you doing this evening? Doing fine. I just want to get through today so that tomorrow can happen, and then it's the weekend. It's the weekend. Yeah. Have much going on this weekend? No. 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 I have, no. I have school work, but still, I just I want to be done with work right now. Yeah, I yeah. hear you. Yeah. <laughs> you should know better. Sarah, do you have a life? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah well, you know, school. For work. three years, so. Yeah, home, home stretch, home stretch. Yeah, yeah. so. Um, meanwhile, today, uh, we got some news, some very exciting news from D.C. as Matt Reeves dropped both the pictures of the new bat suit and some of the score. Classic comic book movie scores mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know where i'm going with this will you got to help me out here yeah so we got we did get the uh suit we've been wondering when we would get a glimpse of it and we right it was a little valentine's day love letter to the fans from matt reeves today uh it the suit i it, you know a lot of people obviously uh, on twitter of course, this Batman was number one, and then closely behind it was Daredevil, because I think the red hues and uh, the, the the bat suit reminded a lot of people of uh, of the Daredevil suit, and also I guess some of the I guess the score that was uh, accompanied the the video that uh, Matt Reeves dropped. Uh, you know, it definitely was you know your typical soaring score for a comic book film I definitely had that batman mood i thought so i you know i definitely am excited i think the suit reminds me also of and i saw this a lot too uh the batman arkham uh-huh. uh bat suit so those those were the sort of the general trends that we were seeing on uh people's reactions to the right. suit but uh yeah, yeah but. I, think, I think that why we're getting so many Daredevil comparisons is because this movie is the first, well, quote unquote, the first time we see a young Bruce Wayne. Right. Who's, who's coming in. It. So it's not an origin movie, but it's also he's not Ben Affleck, Batman, who's the yeah. old man who might need to retire soon. Yeah, he's not the grizzle vet. Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> and And on the show Daredevil... They started off with him um, growing into becoming Daredevil, and the the suit evolved and um, was put together. And I think that's what they got. You know, we know why. We now know why they hired Robert Pattinson for this role. This role, and it's because of that damn, those damn, that damn chin. And yeah. it's like perfect in the cheekbones, and they put that on full display. So I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Yeah, no, he. I'm like, man, Matt Reeves did not want to cover because then in, in other bat suits, it's felt very square mm-hmm. and very like, yeah, you could tell somebody's face is in there, but it's also it's a mask. It felt yeah. more like a mask as opposed to. I don't know, something over his face. And this is becoming a very weird conversation all of a sudden. So I'm just going to move forward to the Oscars because I'm going to find myself in some hot water if I keep going on these weird tangents about explaining what I quote unquote know about costume design, which I know nothing. Well, 
So Oscars, um, Parasite Sweeps. Uh, yeah. I have not seen that movie. <laughs> I, I was hoping to watch it this week. I but it just it just didn't it didn't happen. So I think so many of us saw Parasite win and win and win and win, and we were all thinking, "Man, I need to sit down and watch it." And then yep. you look at the runtime. Two two and a half hours, like or two hours and fifteen minutes, and I'm like, that's a commitment. That is. I was like, I could break. I was like, I could break it up and do one hour tonight and do another hour the next night. But I, I will. I will watch it. Uh, I, I definitely want to see what. Obviously, it made Best Picture, won four awards. I mean, wow. international film uh, director. It killed it. It yeah, yeah, and it's a very interesting fact. I, I was is when I was prepping for for the show tonight. I was reading an article about uh, obviously, you know, it made it was history making film in that it was the first international mm-hmm, film mm-hmm. to 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 win Best Picture, and uh, and they were talking about the demographics in this article. They were discussing the demographics of the uh, the Oscar voters, and this year it was about twenty percent international. I didn't did not realize that until I until I saw that, and so maybe you know that I don't know how much that went into it, but it definitely did. I think it probably did play a role. Um, so much played a role in that, um, and no, I haven't seen it, so I can't say this, but I just hope when I do sit down and watch it, I walk away and say, "Yeah, I get it. I get it now." Yeah, I will yeah. be very upset if I'm like, "Nope, still don't get it." <laughs> Uh, yeah, same here. I mean, I know of the ten films I've I've watched, nineteen seventeen, I watched Joker, and uh, you know, working my way through, I, I do plan to sit down and watch Ford B. Ferrari at some point. Even though every, everyone that that one never really did seem like it was going to get much traction beyond you know, it went editing. Too uh, commercial. I mean, yeah. it, it just it never felt like. When, when you're competing with films that are praised for originality, for for twisting narratives, and really providing social commentary, art art house films, albeit, and then you have Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, exactly. It's, there's something that never felt like quite the same, despite everyone saying it was a great experience. And they're not mad that they took the time to watch the movie, which is another two and a half hour movie. Yeah, like, yeah. What's driving me crazy, Will, is yeah. that I used to be someone who I would I would knock out movies all the time. I'd be I would be the person who's like, well, I've seen all of this. When the heck are we going to get that new release? And now I'm constantly like, <laughs> it's too much of a commitment. And instead, I like I fall down these weird YouTube holes. and you you realize two and a half hours later you know i could have watched once upon a time in hollywood yeah yeah which but 1917 like who (laughs) they got they got shut out and and i'm not i am one of the people who i'm kind of like okay i i kind of i kind of like that because I, I either my expectations were way too high for 1917 or it's a flash in a pan because there's there was something about my experience where I was like okay I get it it's one shot spoiler yeah. alert mm-hmm. but it never really it never really hit me I'm glad 
so it just it it just was a story, and I'm like, okay, flash. Yeah. I'm probably never gonna watch it again. Yeah, I, I doubt I'll watch it again. Well, I, I did enjoy it. I it did hit me. Uh, as far as I mean, there were a couple scenes. Not uh, there were two scenes in particular. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't watched it, but I I, I definitely like jumped out of my seat when I was uh, when I was in the theater. But um, but it, it was it was a good film and. It, and again, since I haven't seen all ten films that were nominated for Best Picture, but have seen it versus Joker, um, I, I could you know I could see. I mean, I enjoy thoroughly enjoyed Joker, but if I had to rank them, I would you know I would have to still I will, I will give the edge to 1917 over Joker uh, as far as a, yeah. a better overall film. I I will say that because I have seen Joker again. And as soon as it started, I thought to myself, "Oh dear Lord, why am I why am I watching this movie again?" It is. It's not like it's. It's not one of those movies where it's awful. It's so unrewatch. Like you can't watch it again because it's so bad. But it's just a depressing ass movie, and it, <laughs> and it like it makes you feel uncomfortable. I was shocked by how much my mom liked that movie. It was really funny. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah. there were scenes where I would be like, get up and deliberately walk around. And plus, and I stand by that, 20 minutes of that movie is just Joaquin Phoenix dancing around in his underwear. Nobody wants yeah, that. Yeah. Nobody wants that. So. <laughs> yeah. See, what? why'd you have to, yeah, why'd you, I, I, so I cut you off because I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to envision that again. I saw it. <laughs> I don't need to see it again. Even though, uh, congratulations to Joaquin for, I mean, that was obviously went as expected. And uh, as far as winners and, you know, we were, it's funny. I was thinking about our conversation last week when Brad Pitt won and, and uh, about uh, how underappreciated he is. And uh, even though he has won Oscars before for production, this is his first one for acting. Mm -hmm. So this, you know, so I was, I, I was very happy to, happy to see that because I was like, Hey, we called something. <laughs> yeah. He, um, I liked his speech. Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad that he, he got, he got one and, yeah. um, maybe, maybe, I mean, he's, he's still, he still has so much more to do now. And, and I don't know, I don't know what it's going to do to his career. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for, Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix, despite what I just said about the Joker movie, his performance is unreal in it. And and my mom even commented on that. She just looked at me halfway through the movie and said, he is doing very good acting, like extremely well. And she never pays attention to crap like that. I'm like, yes, yes, he is. Yes, he is. And and he's in every single scene in that movie. And that's some somebody said it recently where Oscar voters they vote on the winners for who did the most acting, especially in the top categories. And and that's why Adam Driver, despite killing killing it in marriage story, didn't have a chance because he had a partner. He had half of that story is told through Scarlett Johansson's character. So he does. He owns only half of the movie, so it, it's really interesting. Where, yes, the performance matters, but also the roles 
that'll give you the edge on who ends up taking home the, that trophy or not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, speaking of not, of taking, not taking any trophies home, uh, I just have to put out there, Avengers Endgame did not. And it's another history-making thing where, uh, with this this year's Oscars, where the, the highest grossing film did not uh, win in any category. And it had been nominated for Best Visual Effects, but uh, yeah, it was shut out. Should not factor into it, you know. It should, yeah. Oh, I know. I know. It's just a very, it was just a very interesting uh, historical note, uh, given given how history making this uh, this year's Oscars were. Yeah, yeah. I just, I think that um, at Endgame. I I've rewatched it. I still prefer Infinity War. Endgame. I'm not going to say it's a bad movie, but at the end of the day, <laughs> half of it's just a fight scene. Yeah, yeah. It's and it, it, a really long fight scene. Right, and right. then the other half is time travel and everybody. It's so convoluted. And, and, and I'll still watch it. Like, put me on another three or four hour plane ride. I'll put an end game any time. Yeah, because yeah. It'll it's get def- through it. Yeah, it's definitely popcorn popcorn film material but uh but yeah again i thought the uh i mean i thought this year's show was actually usually i don't get as invested in the oscars but for whatever reason this year i did and um i'm rubbing off on you yeah i think you are (laughs) i didn't watch it (laughs) i I actually sat down i actually sat down and actually watched it uh, i did the opposite yeah from like yeah, for the last yeah, for for most of the show. So, but uh, yeah, but oh man. Yeah. Uh, in other news, Doom Patrol adds another cast member as uh, Karen Oblibum. Um, you, you did that on purpose, right? You knew. Yeah. You saw it. You're like <laughs> Sarah's gonna have fun with that. <laughs> Sorry, Karen. Um, and she's gonna play Ronnie Evers. Yeah. Evers on Doom Patrol. Yeah, so apparently this uh, character, uh, they're doing a gender swap here because there's a Ronald Evers in the who is Cyborg's uh, enemy, and uh, he's uh, in the military and even calls himself Cyborg. So this looks like it's a recurring role. I guess he's going to be an op- playing opposite uh, opposite Cyborg on Doom Patrol. So. You know, of course, we still haven't gotten a firm release date yet. Uh, some point this year, some probably this, sometime in the summer. But um, but yeah, it's just it's just clearly they are getting back into production and can't wait for season two. Yeah, you know, I I'm excited for it. But knowing knowing scheduling these days, it's these days it's going to drop with everything else and there's just going to be a landslide of um, content. And I think part of the beauty of Doom Patrol is when it was hit, when it hit, there was not as much competition. So I'm very curious to see and understand when they're going to drop it. Um, Meanwhile, Disney plus is um, trying to up their game by bringing it back to IPs because that's what we do in Hollywood these days, including, my childhood uh, sports movies, movie franchise, The Mighty Ducks, with Emilio Estevez and Rick Moranis is going to come back um, for the first time since he left 
of the business and returned for a reboot of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, yeah. It was... Our uh, young kids for life again. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I read him quoted somewhere where he was joked and said, you know, he, when he was coming back, he's like, you know, it should be a honey. I shrunk the grandkids. Cause, cause, yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, it's good to see him back. I know he, uh, you know, a lot of folks were disappointed that he didn't do the Ghostbusters reboot a few years ago and, and, and not in this one, but he, he, he said, you know, why would I come back for uh, one shot for something I did 30 years ago? So, uh, but yeah, it, it's, uh, he, you know, he did some voice work, but yeah, he's been pretty much ever since his, after his wife passed away, he pretty much dropped off the radar other than doing some voice acting here and there. So it's good to see him back. Yeah, and and it's I I think that that alone is going to cause nostalgia to bring people attract people back to that franchise. I don't know about Mighty Ducks. I have no idea. That is such, I associate that so much with the 90s distinctually mm-hmm. that I, I don't, I don't know if it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently I, I was reading about it. I guess the, uh, the, the ducks now are, you know, it's not so much a rags to riches story. Now they are the riches. And, uh, and so they're going to be updating it to, to present day. And I guess Emilio Estevez is in it. I think Laura, Laura Graham is going to be in it as well. And tell me Joshua Jackson. Like, yeah. you, you gotta have a spot for Joshua Jackson. Yeah, yeah. You, you definitely do. You definitely do. So, you shall see. The duck is all grown up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's it for us with the news. Uh, and then we, this is just, this is not deja vu, but we are gonna be talking Picard and Flash. Um, let's start with Star Trek. Will's yes. favorite. Let's start with Star Trek, definitely. Uh, this is episode three uh, that we're talking about tonight. So I, so we've, you know, we, I really like this episode because finally we're going somewhere, uh, literally, because, you know, the first two episodes was definitely you know, reintroducing John Luke or JL as uh, Rafi, his uh, former executive officer, uh, when he was Admiral Picard would call him. And uh, we, we, we get more context as far as why the Spence were um, banned and why Picard left Starfleet. It got, it, we basically got the scene where he had just come back from talking with the admirals and as far as the, the Romulan resettlement after the Romulan sun went supernova and um you know starfleet was backing off etc but the real thing that stuck out to me in in this episode with john luke is you know he was really an arrogant son of a bitch (laughs) oh yeah he he's a he's a bastard no (laughs) he he has a lot of ego and a lot yes. of shine, and and I think that is actually something we see in a lot of these characters who, who the franchise they they've quote unquote outgrown. And we were talking about this last week about Picard, and they they really selected an an interesting way to do a human piece because of the retirement and 
losing yourself and also losing your mind and this idea that what you thought your life was is no more. So do you start again? Do you wait it out? Um, Do you take a chance? Um, It was funny to me um, when when you said that because in my mind, the the fight sequence um, popped up and he was clearly in the way. (laughs) He just, he felt like a prop to (laughs) the need for dialogue and they're just like, we're going to push you over here while while the young adults can fight it all out. Yeah, totally, totally. It's but you know, I, but as a as a as a fan, and and it's really, I'm glad you know. I, I, some folks were, I, I was having some dialogue with people about you know, Next Generation, and why you know love to see some of the classic characters from Next Generation show up, like Jordy and Riker, which Riker is, I think, on this week's episode. But um, you know, it it really. It's really a good. I'm glad they have a new cast and a new group of characters to really like, you know, because we is you could fall into that hero worship trope so easy. And 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 you know, one of the issues that people, you know, looking back, you know, many years later with Next Generation and how how perfect Starfleet officers were and how perfect John Luke was and stuff and. And, you know, there was no conflict and those kind of things in Star Trek. Whereas now, you know, we, with this new series, you really you did touch on it some a little bit in the episodes, especially when Picard and Next Generation would have Q uh, as a foil in, in episodes. Mm-hmm. But um, you, you really get to see that, you know, that arrogance play out because, you know, Rafi tried to tell him 14 years ago from present day in the in the in the in the star trek in the unit current universe you know the romulans are are plotting something and they're you know doing this to their own people right. or to their own end and he was like no 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 they would never do anything like that and of course you know fast forward present day of course like he's like yeah i thought of that and rafi's like and everybody i'm sitting there as a viewer like oh no 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 john luke you know someone else that thought of that very thing and it's just a very you know, it, it was just a very. I like the way they they did that characterization of of like you said of ego and and him trying to find his place, but but also always thinking he's right and he's the captain right. and the admiral and he's always right. And it was just it was just a very, I won't say subtle, but it was a very good storytelling point of how they they showed that and how, you know, he he at this point is you know he isn't. He is at the mercy of, of Rafi and other people to, to go do this mission. Well, and he's he's just as much at, at fault for what happened to Mars as as everyone else. I mean, mm-hmm. I I go back to that interview moment in the first episode where he gets very defensive about the decision to help the Romulans. And he 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 was a voice in that on making sure that they did and and why that was the right thing to do and now as he's realizing that maybe it was all a trick and there was there's something else um in the plans for the Romulans and and they were connected to this attack um he was wrong and Mm -hmm. and that humility and and I like that 
I will, I will be honest. Sometimes it really is hard for me to fully understand exactly what's happening because they do not shy away from talking, referring to things where if you have not seen it, you have no idea what they're talking about. Um, that being said, I also appreciate how I'm slowly understanding more about the Romulans through everything that they're doing with Hugh and so- Soji, mm-hmm. Soji um, who, who we encounter. Um, now they're Borgs, right? They're, so, they're affected Borgs? Yeah, so Hugh, just for backstory uh, for... For you and, and our listeners who uh, maybe not as deeply versed in Trek. So he was a Borg that the Enterprise during, during the Next Generation came about. And he was still a part of the Collective. And he was a young, you know, he was a teenager. And they brought him aboard. And over with his, you know, since he was no longer a part of the, part of the, his, his group. Right, he right. began. He began to his his true self become became to come out, and so at so they ended up deciding to send him back to the collective, and because of his his emergence as a being, he basically uh, created basically a, a a wedge in the Borg that uh, a few seasons later. Uh, they, these Borgs are all free will and no longer no longer part of the collective. Mm-hmm. So so, R- Ramada. Yeah. So she's a Borg too. Right, but apparently this she was a so the people that were part of this reclamation project are apparently a seems that they were Borg who somehow got separated from the collective. So that's why the Romulans are so. In a very interesting way, I, I guess what I'm getting at, which I thought was was cool, is how it felt as if they were quarantined in, mm-hmm. in a mental institute, like how how people who don't think or beha- behave in a normal quote unquote way mm-hmm. get shipped off in and isolated and confined to a, a space where and and I thought that was really um, a really subtle nod to that mm-hmm. in my opinion at least yeah. and and everything with with um, Soji who comes in and thinks that she she can she can talk the talk and make a breakthrough and her figuring out these ways to really make Ramada open up and give her some answers. I like everything with the cards and mm-hmm. especially this idea that, you know, um, Deja is still very a part of the show in a way. Yeah. Like, yeah, she died in the first episode and really kicked off this whole um, these events that led is leading John John Luke to go find Soji, her sister, but but she she's now part of this prophecy or mm-hmm. this myth about two sisters and there's a destroyer, yep. um, which is really I, I like it. I, I like that idea that. That these, um, it goes back to like this idea of a Gemini twin, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, I totally like. Yeah, I totally like that whole sequence. Another thing too is, you know, getting to the. You know, I like your, I like your analogy of it being a almost like a hospital or something or a mental, mm-hmm. 
war to that for these separated individuals and who better what i liked about it was who better to make executive director of that whole project is is he right because he you know he can identify with what these xbs or export are, are dealing with because he you know he went through it and clearly he is so g you know they clearly have worked together for a long time because he, you know, whenever Ramada was like dealing with her issues, uh, he turned to Soji to like help try to draw her out. Because he he wants to get in Soji's pants. <laughs> nah, I don't think so. I saw the looks. <laughs> oh no no no! no. Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> she's got that young the young the young strapping Romulan that he's got to get through though <laughs> Crazy. as soon as he figures out who she really is he's going to be very attracted to <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah it's like Data's God. daughter you can't be dating Data's daughter here come on now. <laughs> oh, geez. So, now, we do meet another character. We meet the pilot in this episode. Yep. And so, here are my thoughts about the pilot. <laughs> Man, is Rios just, it just was full. Every time Rios was on the, on the screen, I was just like, this is Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> I just went there and I could not help it and then once I thought it I couldn't unseen it and it really bothered me <laughs> uh, so is it the uh, the Mandalorian vibes as far as just he is a man hired gun with no connections and just all about the money and yet by the <laughs> end of the by the end of the series he's going to be like this is my child. This is my family. This. No, he's gonna be like, this is my grandfather. <laughs> I'm gonna have to take care of him in his old age. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, 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 when I saw you put that on the rundown, I was like, yeah, you know, come to think of it. <laughs> it just, it felt like as soon as we, as soon as he, you see him and he has this sharp, um, sharp metal in him mm -hmm. and you're just looking and you're like, okay, all right. So we're going to, we're going to go down this Lone Ranger route with him, bring in some Western elements. Yeah. And, and it's, it's hard. I mean, I think that's part of the problem. Not problem, but has always been an issue with Star Trek is you're in constant competition with Star Wars yeah. um, because of one one tiny connective thread. They both take place in space. Yeah, just, just <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, just that. Just not that really thread. themes or anything, but just the fact of location alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it is. It was interesting, and maybe it's also because Mandalorian. We just wrapped up so recently it's still in the back of a lot of our minds yeah yeah um, but there's you're right though i mean there's the ship there i mean obviously the space the obvious connection but i mean there are some similarities in captain rios and 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 mando uh as far as far as their uh requests you, you can even say han solo i mean yeah. it's it's a, it's a very and and this is nothing about the actor. I actually liked his performance. I mm. like the character. However, he is a trope. And I've seen him now 
a lot of times. More, most recently, a Mandalorian. Han Solo, of course, is the is the one we always go to. Yeah. But these characters, who's like, that's not my fight. You're gonna pay me, or this yeah. this is what's gonna happen. And then by the end of it, they're suddenly a part of the mission. Exactly, yeah. And, and yeah, and also the part of the trope. I mean, he is ex Starfleet, and of course, Han Solo was ex. Ex Imperial, yeah. as far as you know, as far as the Academy is at, that we that we was made canon by the movie, and so yeah, you're you're totally right. He is that that trope character, uh, which I'm glad they actually have the foil of the of him as the emergency medical hologram. To that was the you know yeah exactly that was the creative twist they needed to bring something new to the table i really did like that that part because i like this idea of and there's you know which makes me think there's a lot of duality going on right now i mean we're dealing with two sisters Mm -hmm. who twin sisters identical separated we're we're dealing with um Romulans versus humans, and and we have we have sleeper agents in mm-hmm. in Starfleet um, who yep. who are trying to conform and pass off, and and this idea of um, of the differences and the similarities that are causing all of these these pro- these problems. So so I think that that was a nice touch and a continuation of this whole idea about duality. I mean, John Luke. On one end, you're an old man. On the other end, you're a former Starfleet captain. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard persona to let go of. Right. Yeah, yeah. That You're completely on point there as far as the whole this issue of duality in the, in the series. And, 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 and it's always, those types of storytelling, it's always good to play that off of each other. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, you know, we, Especially whenever we were on the on the Romulan on the Borg cube and and she was playing the the tarot card the Romulan tarot cards yep. and and you know figuring out you know this connection and then also the duality of of it because you know when they were having that sequence on the Borg cube you know back on Earth you were seeing the the Jatvat the super secret Tal Shiar fighting with Picard and his Romulan uh, housekeepers innkeepers, yeah. And, you know, so you had, you know, so again, like you're saying, Deja is still, even though she was lost in the first episode, her presence is still there because, you know, while they were discussing this issue on the cube, sometime back on earth, this other stuff was happening. So it was, it was just a well, well, constructed episode, I thought, and really gets us, you know, gets us going somewhere. And then of course, you know, and then we had, you know, and of course Rafi to working through her PTSD issues and her being broken because of what happened 14 years ago with Picard, and and of course you know again going back to the troops, of course she's going to come along, but at the same time John Luke you know definitely gave her, I guess by them reencountering each other, it gave her a purpose again because she clearly she had lost all. Her, her her purpose in life and and she was just you know living out in Vasquez Rocks just just hanging out and just sort of biding her time and just it was very broken I mean to the point where she's like I have security clearance and all these other things and and so you know even though at first her reunion with Picard was very 
was very bitter and and very hard it, it it gave her it gave her an opportunity to to one fulfill what she foresaw 14 years prior and, and two it gives us an opportunity to find out what's going on with Bruce Maddox yeah and no I I like that this there's some momentum I will be honest though not still not my favorite episode the pilot is still number one for me mm-hmm. and and my biggest issue is it still feels like what you said at the top of this discussion is that now we're getting somewhere we have the ship we're headed yeah. to space we have the crew it took us a few episodes to get there to get the mission but now we're on we're flying now yeah. and I'm, I'm excited there's momentum and even though i i i i don't like these kind of episodes where it's just about getting from point a to point b um i will commend the writers that they are truly committed to this story mm-hmm. i don't there isn't any bipolar there, there isn't any um oh, we're going to go off and do an adventure over here, and then we'll return to the main plot next week. Yeah, you know? right. Those kind of detours that, oh, drive me crazy. They're not pulling any Teen Titan BS here. Yep. And and I like that because I also, only after three episodes, have full faith that the writers started this knowing exactly where they wanted to end up. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's huge. Now, if they do me wrong, Will... We will never talk Star Trek again. (laughs) Oh, man. But speaking about duality, let's jump over to Central City because we also have some hijacking happening and some, I don't, this episode. (laughs) Again, this this is not a deja vu of Cena Nerd, but I will say it just like I did last week. It's not a bad episode. Just a typical Flash episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, after such a strong return with the mid-season premiere, I, yeah, I didn't dislike the episode. You're right. But it was, I, I, again, there's two things. I loved the story they had going with Barry and, Barry and Iris this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just, that was a very strong strong through thread that you know honestly i wouldn't have cared if they had a b story because you know honestly i'm not i'm just gonna go ahead and go ahead and put it out there as far as this whole allegra character and 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 that b story they had this week i'm not invested in this character yet to really get any kind of you know attachment to and as far as you know her, what was going on and her her feelings and you know and the same with nash wells i mean nash just showed up like you know beginning of this season the same old flash tropes of you know we got to have a new wells so it's sort of like okay that kind of stuff honestly until the end of the episode i really didn't care about nash and allegra and frost and all that kind of stuff but uh i have to give kudos to the writers that on on the iris story uh, I mean, I did see, I did suspect from the very beginning, especially with the pancakes and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, something that, you know, the, the, when she got pulled into the mirror, the prior episode, yeah, she got swapped or something like that. But then they did the great thing of the speech. 
And I just absolutely love that that's that moment where Candace, I mean, she just acted her ass off, but with uh, when she told Barry, look, I've been, you know, dealing with trying to come to grips with you be, not being here. And, and it seemed, and what really worked for me with that was, you know, one, it goes back, kind of goes back to the end of, um, let's see, season, where did he go off into the speed four? Season four? In the I... season into season three. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. Sure. Yeah. First film with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe it's been six years as, as, with this, this series. But yeah, so yeah, I guess it was into season three. Yeah, he reemerged re- out of Speed Four, season four. So she's she's been down this road before where she's had to deal with him going away. And then now with, with Crisis, him going away permanently. So, you know, I, I that was a very believable, very her frustrations and her like, you know, stop being super overprotective and bananas, 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 all that stuff. It was like, I, I really liked that because it, it was very real. And again, it, it again, tied back to crisis and, and, and the ramifications of crisis. So all this buildup, we're still dealing with the fallout of it. So I, I liked that piece. And that was where I was like, Oh, well maybe Maybe she didn't get switched in the in the in the mirror universe. Um, yeah, they 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 kind of toyed with everyone, and you're right to commend the writers for that because as much as we saw her come out of the mirror and instantly were like, she got hijacked, that's not her. They they did it in a way where you really were questioning it through Barry's eyes. You really mm-hmm. felt like you were, you were him watching this behavior, and and then them pulling on the motivations that we've we've watched Iris grow just as long as we've watched Barry grow, and those were legit um, concerns. And she has grown up, and she isn't a damsel, and that's always been the curse of Iris West. She's constantly compared to Lois Lane being yeah. that damsel character. Um. However, (laughs) I just, I don't know. It just felt in the back of my mind, despite best effort, and it was really good effort, I still was constantly like, and they're just going to save it for the final few minutes to show that Mm. she really has (laughs) still locked up. Um, And something else I couldn't help but keep thinking about is um, our our criticism of Iris leading into crisis where she didn't seem so upset that Barry was going to die. Yeah. <laughs> I remember a lot of that talking. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so it's not, it's, I'm not saying what she said was wrong or not genuine about planning a life without him it just there was something about it where I was like, "Yeah, you were real torn up about that <laughs> at the time." Um, and and I think I think they're still trying to figure out that push and pull. Also, maybe why this episode didn't work as well for me as maybe it did for other people is that I'm an elicity shipper, 
and I've seen this episode play out on Elicity before, i.e. Arrow. I call it Elicity when it's just me. (laughs) And you're in a a safe zone. (laughs) It's it's the same thing. It's it's the same fight we get from these couples time and time again. Yeah. And it just and then you you add on the the lovely flash. Um what is that called? What is it? Like it's not kitsch, it's just it's just, you know, quote unquote fun. I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah. I didn't care for the flash this week. I don't Amunet Black. Yeah. Um, Katie Sackhoff still nailing that character. Did not need to see her with um Golden Man, Golden yeah, Eye. Gold, gold, gold Boy. Yeah, Goldface. Gold I kept I could yeah. I, I always want to call him like Golden Eye, but yeah, but it's Goldface. Goldface. He he's yeah. he, has a gold chain, not a gold face. Yeah, yeah, just... yeah. That 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 whole bit was this reeked of season four for me, and it. I was trying to figure out the comparison. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was where again it was just like, oh god, did someone like let the the old showrunner back in hit into the room because it was just like, oh god, we're back to season four nonsense and. And yes, yeah, Katie Sackhoff, she did do a, a tremendous job just eating up, chewing chewing the scenes left and right and all. But and and you know, I was thinking of our conversation last week uh, about the Flash as far as like when you have a good good through line and then they go off and do these like weird B and C stories that like mm-hmm. really undercut the the strong A story like they wish they did have a very strong A story this week with with Barry and Iris trying to figure out their post crisis relationship and, and yeah and it just got so under, it got just so undermined by by that piece and that part so I, it yeah it was you know it was just, it 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 definitely took me out of the episode for whenever they, those moments came on. I mean, I did laugh a little bit out loud. I mean, I'm not gonna be like completely like, oh, it's up, blah blah blah. But I mean, I there were a couple moments I did laugh with some of that stuff at the end. But still, it just, you know, it. it but it did overall hurt the episode for me at least. Yeah, yeah. I again, um, Flash. It's. And and but, I'm sorry, but part of the reason that the Flash is bothering me is they built their entire first half of the season around Crisis. Mm-hmm. And as much as last week's episode had to do with Crisis, it felt very much like they put all of that on hold to go off to go off of this, um, yeah. to go to go down this rabbit hole. Yeah, and and I just. I that that's they always do this to us. They get it's it's as if the writers start a storyline for Barry and then they get distracted by five other characters mm-hmm. and then they start story threads only to realize oh we've forgotten about Barry so let's pull it all back together and let's yeah. get <laughs> <laughs> just stay consistent. And yeah, yeah. Go to the Batwoman writers' room. And take some notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. One thing that I did did like, though, at the end of the episode, speaking of Nash and 
the random random characters that just sort of we got to figure out what to do with them. Uh, the the moment where we saw a another a a Wells who looked a lot like Harry, I had thoughts on that. Um, I think it's actually Thawne, possibly. Uh, he probably just like, secreted himself in the negative speed force and survived crisis. Um, if it is Harry, if it's a vision of Harry, maybe it's just because Wells is, Nash is feeling guilty about you know being absentee dad for for to Allegra or something like that. But I just yeah, if they're if they're gonna bring another version of this character back, it's got to be fun because that's that one you know one of the big complaints people had about Crisis is you, you know you built all this up about Barry and the Reverse Flash having this showdown. And then in Christ in a crisis, and it didn't happen. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's why I'm thinking this. A lot of things didn't happen in crisis, like Barry Allen dying. Hey, well, Barry <laughs> Allen did die, but not <laughs> not our not our Barry. <laughs> Regardless, stop being yeah. technical. Speaking of fatherhood, you have yeah. your five minute Black Lightning rant. Oh, I need I need more than five. Monorail. I need more than five minutes. This I should have like shut up more about the Flash because that's Black Lightning. That's what I was thinking, but you yeah. gave her five minutes, so hurry up. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no, we got ten minutes left. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the clock. So, <laughs> so Black Lightning. That, oh, I, you know, people are like sleep. Well, they're not sleeping on this show now because I'm seeing it like trend on Twitter, like. On, two, on Monday nights, and this Good. I think was like probably, if not the best, one of the best episodes that this series has done, and it's the penultimate episode. We've been building up all season with the ASA uh, and the Markovian War, so uh, we get um, and, and also new char- supporting characters who are who are used in a good way throughout the season. And so Jefferson put the team together to go re- rescue Lynn from Markovia. And so, uh, of course we had the moment with, uh, Khalil dealing with him still trying to come to the cons- consequences of being a painkiller and the ASA agent. Uh, we have G- uh, Brandon who is, uh, you know, we see all the training that they're doing with ASA and they finally do get to go off to to Markovia, uh, and there were some creepy moments with, with TC and and uh, this new character Erica, who can basically collect kinetic energy and then redistribute it. And so, big the long and short of it is, so in the comic books, uh, a lot of these characters are based off the the Outsiders, which was a team that Batman formed with with Black Lightning, and um, and so, so basically, all throughout the season, Grace Choi, TC, Geoforce, well, Brandon, but he's basically Geoforce. They all come together uh, to to go to Markovia to rescue Lynn, and each person has, you know, in this in this raid, uh, a role in, in 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 the rescue, and. One of the cool things was uh, this week, uh, Wayne Brady uh, guest starred as uh, Get Grave Digger. And I say, you know, Wayne, the dude's, you know, if you've watched Hugh's Line, is it anyway? You, you know how what a talent he is. But he really got to display it again this week on the episode playing Grave Digger, who 
is a meta with superhuman strength, super stamina, but also had this all this power to like use his voice to bend people to to do his bidding, and he utilized that against Lynn to try to get her to make uh, the serum to basically stabilize all the metas they had in Markovia. Uh, but great little twist what they did with that. Uh, but I just really, really, you know, I, I was looking forward when I saw he was cast. I had been looking forward to just, just to seeing how he, this episode and seeing Grave Digger and did not fail to disappoint. There's a great fight sequence between him and um, and Painkiller or or now Khalil. Uh, that would that would make James Banford proud from Arrow. So, mm-hmm. so I thought that was uh, I thought that was a good uh, a good mix. And then of course there was a nice little twist at the end in the mission that, uh, as you recall, Jefferson had uh, Tobias was was also taken to Markovia, uh, was kidnapped and taken there, and had a uh, they needed him because again he's a stable stable meta. Were, the Markovians were also going to use him, but uh, uh, Jefferson had to had to release him. So there was a great moment in the episode between Jefferson and 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 Tobias that uh, you know it was sparks were flying off the screen, not and not because Jefferson was shooting lightning bolts. So it was uh, this season definitely recommend to folks if you are are looking for uh, a new series to pick up. Uh, as far as in the in the DC TV universe, uh, it's I would have to say Black Lightning season three definitely has delivered very well. Just like how Supergirl season four was for us last year, how Batwoman is coming for us this year. Uh, it's it's been a very solid season. Uh, great characterization. Uh, it's just great. It's just been a really awesome ride, and I'm glad it got renewed for season four because uh, this show is really hitting a stride and I see great things for it, for it uh, as we as we move to season four. Very. Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Both please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. <laughs>